This is the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast. What would it take for you to double your profits and half your stress with your intuition? Learn how with your host, Michael Light. So we're going to have a conversation about business intuition. I don't know if there's any particular aspect, um, you know, makes sense for you to talk about or... Well, well, you know, it really, it really um, drew me in what you were doing. Um, when I first saw TLC, right, I'll just, I'll just kind of give you what connected me um, to, you know, you, you sent me a request a while back, and I hadn't really looked at anything that you um, had been doing every now and then, you know, something came across my uh, news Facebook feed, mm-hmm. and then one day... I saw TLC to the light connect and that really connected with me because, uh, for the past few years I've, I've been, um, I've been meditating and I've been meditating in the, I don't know if you're familiar with any of the yoga techniques, but, uh, Kriya yoga. Mm-hmm. And I've been meditating in the Kriya yoga, um, with the Kriya yoga method. And the to the light connect is one of the main, main focuses of connecting with the broader consciousness that exists right Mm -hmm. universally and when i saw that i said okay i really need to uh i really need to start watching michael and see you know what's going on and and kind of where his where his thought and his mind is because there's not a lot of people who um can uh that the acronym was very very well thought out and <laughs> there's not a lot of people who can simplify the the concept to that point mm. and uh, you know started watching kind of some more of what you were doing and then really got interested in your whole business intuition thing and I read you know a lot of the comments that that go on on your on your Facebook page um, and then you started you know started writing the book and so you know coming back to intuition, uh, all of the, uh, you know, all the, 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 uh, pieces I just talked about were, were based in, in, uh, intuitive, you know, if you will, uh, who is this person, the intuition to, uh, go forth and accept you and then, you know, continue to kind of monitor, you know, I, I was, uh, I was very fortunate to go to a conference, about three months ago in the Turks and Caicos Islands. And it was a very much like what you're doing right now, an entrepreneur's conference, except for it was more of an unconference format. Okay. There was a, the opposite of what you're doing where it was a little more, uh, unconference than it was conference, but there was a little bit of conference sprinkled in there. Mm-hmm. And one of the, um, one of the speakers at the conference was an astrophysicist, astrobiologist, and he was talking about the uh, talking about intuition and talking about how in our guts we ha- you know people people use the term um, gut feeling. I had a gut feeling on that one. Well, um, you know he they they've been doing research on the bacteria in the gut. And one of the analogies he, he made that I thought 
I don't know if it's really an analogy, but more like just you know, simplifying the concept of are we more of that hollow shell that's run by, you know, billions and billions of, uh, of <laughs> intuitive, intuitive creatures that uh, or in, in, intuitive organisms rather that, um, you know, really are, are making these decisions uh, or maybe not making the decision, but that give us these, um, you know, these intuitive types of, of feelings and, and we base some of our reaction off of that. And, and then, you know, coming back to what I'm, I've been focusing on, how much of that is interrupted in our daily lives by the programming, you know, installed into our minds. I think of it like a computer, right? There's a, there's a virus, you know, there's a war going on for your mind, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, the, the whole, um, the programming of the mind and, and, and really getting us out of the nature of using our intuition because we are taught things, right? We are, we are taught to be, um, to, to react to things in certain ways, whether it's, uh, whether it's through, um, you know, the educational system or whether it's through the, um, you know, religious systems, um, we're, we're taught, uh, rather, uh, you know, it, it becomes more of part of our our subconscious nature to forego the the feelings we get and to forego the thoughts we get. And uh, you know, after just kind of just kind of the intuitive nature of us um, not being able to connect with that intuitive nature anymore uh, is really one of the the big focuses of uh, of my my book. Um, and what I, what I've been researching. And so I thought, mm. I thought this was all very, um, you know, interesting because, uh, you know, up until, up until I went to that, that Turks and Caicos, um, the trip that, that unconference, I really hadn't been focusing much on the, um, the, the intuition part of things and how it's, it's more important. I, I believe it's more important than logic. <clears throat> more important than logic and reason because uh, logic and reason comes from us. Um, intuition, uh, we can say that it possibly comes from us, but we don't really know where the, the intuition comes from. And so is there a uh, higher level of consciousness, TLC, to the light connect, that you are able to um, borrow or tap into, rather, to uh, expand the intuitions that you have, um, and and the more you the more you connect with that light, the more you uh, feel that light, the more you understand how your intuition works. The easier you are to pick, the easier you can pick up on the subtleties that are happening around us all day that our conscious and and even our subconscious mind, um, you know that that dualistic kind of um, <clears throat> battle happening between you know the subtle feeling of your intuition being drowned out by the uh less subtle more programmed uh portion of your mind and, and uh you know that conscious and subconscious that was that was a long enough rant <laughs> <laughs> well it makes sense to me that you know i think people come here as children with their intuition and creativity fully turned on and then we turn it off through programming at school and parents and jobs and religion and all the other things we get up to to pretend that we're not as powerful as we really are. So we are 
you know, we're all spiritual beings with a body on this planet in a time playing the human game to have an experience. And, um, you know, waking up to our intuition is part of that experience. So, but you can only wake up to intuition if you pretended you don't have it in the first place. So, uh, mm, interesting, interesting. Explain what you mean there to me. Well, if you if we'd stayed awake as we come in as children, where we're fully in touch with our intuitive side and creativity and being in the flow of life, then it wouldn't come as any surprise that, duh, of course you use your intuition when you have a business, <laughs> right? But yep. so many of us have gone through education and, and other training to you know, learn that, oh, the rational mind is the only way you should decide things and don't pay any attention to your feelings or, or gut or intuitive thoughts. And any voices in your head are signs that you're crazy, so you better not talk about that. <laughs> um, you know, and don't don't listen to messages from body parts because that would be also crazy. So, um, you know, by having had all those experiences where we pretend that we don't have access to this intuitive information, uh, then when we realize it later in life that, yeah, I can use my intuition to decide what, you know, what products to carry in my business or what services to provide, to decide who to interact with, to attract people to, to work with, then it, it, you know, it's a nice surprise. So that, that's what I mean by creating that experience. That's, that's great. And so, you know, um, the 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 very interesting part of what you kind of just touched on there is um, how if we were if we were you know earlier on in our lives if we were not taught anything or 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 allowed to kind of um, in a non standardized manner uh, absorb and take in what we you know, what we know as this human experience, um, our intuitions would be, would be so much more a part of our everyday lives. How do you feel like that would, um, how do you feel like that would change the world? I mean, you know, uh, you, we could think of intuition almost as a, um, the, the beginning of being psychic, or being able to, you know, understand each other's thoughts without, um, you know, you look at somebody and you have this feeling and they have the same feeling. Is that like, uh, you know, um, tele telecommunication, right? Or like, like, you know, communicating with the mind. And so how do you feel like the world would be different? Um, do you feel like, uh, that's, that's part of that unused portion of our brain that we're not tapping into? What are your thoughts on that? So, I mean, part of my mission here with spreading the idea that we should use business intuition in our companies is because I think it will make for better run, more profitable, more joyful companies. And on a global level, if everyone uses this in business, just like everyone today, you know, every business on the planet pretty much uses spreadsheets. And if I said to you, 
John, hey, you know, are you using spreadsheets? And you came back and said, Michael, spreadsheets are kind of weird and strange. You know, I was taught in school not to touch spreadsheets. It's dangerous. <laughs> I mean, I'd be like, what the fuck is he talking about? You know, and I, I didn't think, cuss on this. So, OK, good. You just opened up like half of my vocabulary. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. You can. I'm just joking. So, um, so I think in a few years' time, that'll be the same reaction to a CEO who says, oh, yeah, we don't, I don't use intuition. That's, you know, it would be stupid, you know. I mean, sure, it's a choice. You don't have to use intuition in your business. You don't have to use spreadsheets. But, like, it's a tool. And right. it makes it so much easier to run your business, particularly as things, you know, the pace of change has just increased so much in the last few years. And it's getting even faster and the amount of information that comes in is so much, you know, you can't handle it on a rational basis. You've got to pick and choose using your intuition where to go and what leads to follow and what people to talk to. Because you can't talk to everyone. You can't follow every new technological change. You've got to have a gut feeling about where is going to bring you the most joy and the most money. So that's on the, the tactical level at the business level. And then at the global level... Just imagine a planet where everyone is using their intuition in their business. The businesses would be making much more heart-centered, you know, decisions that are beneficial for people. You know, absolutely. You know, I think we would we will live in a better planet when people, when business leaders and everyone in the business is following their intuition. Um, and that doesn't mean we throw logic out the the uh, window with the bathwater and the baby. You know, that logic is a, you know, a tool as well. Uh, rational thinking is a tool as well. These are all just tools for, for having a joyful life and creating what we want in our business. You know, if you look at the the ultimate bottom line in a business, why do we have a business? You know, well, you know, want to create money, maybe we want to... Uh, have a legacy, maybe we want to change the world, but underneath all of those, it's we want to be happy, you know? Absolutely. So, why not get to where we want to go quicker and easier using intuition? That's my uh, thought. So, this whole thing, I mean, yes, I am writing a book, and, you know, I've got the Facebook group, and, um, you know, I'm planning an e-course as well, and these are all useful ways to spread the message, but really... This is about a movement of changing how business is done in the world. So, so it's, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, be intuitive, right? And it's another thing to teach somebody how to understand when intuition is knocking on the door and they need to, to listen and pick it up. Right. It's that, is this, is this, intuitive uh you know thought or action or is this you know logical reasoning thought or action and i I agree with you 100 percent. you can definitely use both um but you you, how do you train you know i i know that through meditation right i've been able to uh through calming the mind through letting go of of a lot of the other things that are happening in my day-to-day uh, and then as I deepen my meditation, meditative practice, um, really being able, like you said, you know, visions, thoughts, um, all of that kind of stuff coming from 
where I'm like, I never, I've never thought of that before. I've never even seen anything like that before. Where, where has that come from? So how do you get somebody from the point of, you know, I'm a logical reason, reasoning being to, I'm somebody who now, um, understands when I'm seeing my, when I'm, when I'm feeling intuition and now I can harness that and use it. What, what techniques are you, are you advocating for? Are there techniques or is it just a matter of being more receptive to it? So there definitely are techniques and, you know, one of the misconceptions that people have is, oh, I'm just not that intuitive. You know, I, I was only born with a certain amount of intuition. I can't improve it. <laughs> and it's just not true, you know, because everyone is born with an enormous amount of intuition and, and access to the creative spirit. And what we do is cover it up. So really, it's less about learning how to use your intuition and more about how to unlearn all the tricks, all the things you've done to cover it up. So... Meditation, you know, that's a great way to, to become more aware of your inner voice. Because usually, to be honest, intuition typically uh, comes as a quiet message. It's not, you know, it's not noisy. It's not a loud TV in the room. So, you know, um, it's possible for intuitive messages to be louder. Um, it, it depends. I mean, often messages that come through the body start off as a, a slight irritation in some body part, but can turn into d disease, or you know, ultimately they turn into death if you don't pay attention to them. So those are pretty loud. But people don't always hear those messages because they, you know, think, "Oh, I have a, I, I'm sick. I need to go to a doctor." Instead of, "I'm sick. Oh, my body's trying to tell me something." <laughs> absolutely look at that that's that's genius right there absolutely yeah so you know there's a lot of intuitive messages that are available whether you tune you tune into them first of all you need to know that they they could be coming in so um you know body body sensations um birds and animals you see can provide messages um you might you know, you might get sensations in your body when you think, you know, should I take this course or that course? And some people, if they're kinesthetic, they, you know, feel in their body that something feels true or something feels false. Other people feel thing, you know, they get words in their head. Or some people just have a knowing, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Other people see messages. Some people get dreams where they get messages from their intuition. So there are, there are many different Absolutely. ways. I, you know, some people even get messages um, through through radio. You know, they're listening to mu you know pop music, and a song comes comes on that's like the answer to whatever question they've been asking. <laughs> so, uh, absolutely. You know, the more you open up to this, the more places you can see or hear or perceive messages. Um, other people talk to angels and guides. You know, that's another way to get messages. So many different routes to receive uh, information. You know, one thing that you said um, that uh, very much corresponds to the, the, the thought that I've been giving and the research I've been doing to, to basically all, all that you just conveyed is the, you know, uh, deprogramming or reprogramming of the mind 
to, uh, to, to think more simply, right? Because we, we're taught to rationalize huge amounts of data with all these different logics and algorithms and, and you know, methods for, for thinking through things, uh, in that process, while while our brain is you know our, our neocortex is crunching through, so I did I did some study. Um, uh, there's a guy named Jeff Hawking who he was the um, he was the guy at Palm OS when Palm was actually a cool <laughs> a cool device back in the late 90s, and he went off to start a uh, research facility lab in Stanford University. And we had several discussions with him, um, me and a, another friend who worked at Oracle when I was a, de- a software developer. Mm. And we we started to understand the research they were doing around the neocortex and the way the neocortex works. Basically, it's the part of our brains that is responsible for storing away um, all the thoughts and, and ideas that we have um it's the part of the brain that, you know, all the rest of your brain, if you think about that part, it's like your hard drive. The rest of the brain is like, you know, your, your uh, video card for looking at your, you know, your eyes process information, but that's all they're doing. They're just, they're just processing that information. They aren't doing anything, anything really um, as far as storing that information, as far as retrieving that information, making patterns with that information. And so, um, the neocortex part of your brain, you know, everybody has this ability to build these patterns in their brain. This was the most interesting thing that, that came out of that research for me. We looked at, we looked at kind of how the, the mind progresses um, through, you know, when you're a baby born in the womb, the first thing that, that happens is you start to hear, right? Mm. And, then, and then other things start to happen. And so if you look at the science behind it, uh, sound waves uh, have uh, they have numerical representations, meaning we can understand sound waves very easily. They create very uh, distinct patterns in our brains, and so our brain function is. But if you think about this, it's even crazier: is that <laughs> two people can know about an, what an apple is, right? Two mm-hmm. two people can know exactly what an apple is, but the parts of their brains that are activated within the neocortex, and even how much of the brain is activated in the neocortex is completely different in both brains because the patterns that they've both built to uh, rationalize what an apple is is completely different. Mm. And so the, the and an apple is a pretty concrete, simple <laughs> idea when you think about, you know, business concepts, you know, about yeah. having employees or tasks or money. All of those are exactly. far more complicated and far more likely to be different. Exactly. And far more likely to, you know, there's a, they've, they've theorized that there are uh, six layers of the neocortex. And if you think about each layer as a cube, okay, a three-dimensional cube, and uh, there's something, I, and, and you may want to just briefly, you know, take a look at this for your stuff. I, you know, this this may help um, open your eyes to some things. It certainly did for me. But um, there's these things called sparse distributed representations. So our brain, instead of like a, a bit or a byte pattern, uh, binary pattern where you have zeros and ones turned on, um, and in a byte. If you don't have the entire sequence of the byte, you lose the value of the byte, right? So if our brains work like that, 
that's why when people get brain damage, they're able to recover, even though that mm-hmm. part of the brain may never recover, they still can because our brain, our brain, when it creates a, an, these SDRs, these sparse distributed representations, it only turns on the relevant bits. So if you look at something like a, a sound wave, a sound wave will create a, uh, it'll turn on bits in your mind and all those other zero, just like, you know, Google's big table. If you've ever researched some of these, uh, these really large, uh, hashing and data storage algorithms, they're based off of a similar, uh, pattern. Okay. Mm. Well, anyway, these cubes, you're laying these six layers of your mind, uh, these cubes, if you will, Think about uh, the cube having dense area, dense areas of points, right? Look like a, like a, a cluster of galaxies. If you're looking at if you're looking at the universe, and you and you go out and you you know the web of the universe. Have you ever seen a visualization of that? Um, I've seen pictures of galaxies, but you're talking okay, about 3D so, representation. Yeah, like if you zoomed out, imagine zooming out on the galaxy. And seeing where you have clusters of galaxies, but they're just a bunch of little points, and it looks like this web, right, with clusters, with with uh, you know dot, dotted clusters in certain areas where the the galaxies, due to gravitational force, have pulled together. So if you think about this cube in a similar manner, those those clusters of data points are statistical or, or um, representations of similar data. And so, like for something like riding a bike, right, when you first start to ride a bike when you're a kid. It's very, you're very wobbly. You're, you're learning. So your brain's having to process all these different things and it's creating all these different representations in that first layer of your brain. Well, at some point, your brain no longer has to think about all those things because what it's done is created a higher level representation in the next layer of the neocortex that summarizes all the data that it's learned. And it creates a, a representation at a higher level so that you're not having to go back and, and sift through all of this other data, right? Mm. So think about it like uh, whenever you think about 2 plus 2. Whenever you used to think about 2 plus 2, you had to pull out fingers. You had to sit there and, and you know, think on it for a while. And then after time, your mind just uh, uh, gets the answer. Mm-hmm. Well, it does that because it's created a higher level representation. Instead of it being a cluster of, of uh, dots, it's created one dot. <laughs> does that make sense? Mm-hmm. To some to some degree, that's that's how that's how uh, these 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 layers of our neocortex work. And so, but like you said, think about a business. Uh, you know, just a your standard business decision. Like um, we've got we've got great work going on here. Okay. But I've got to fire this person, even though they're doing a great job, because they're not uh, fitting in with the, the core value and the culture of my company. Mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> so think about all the decisions that are going on in your mind that, that you've been taught to, instead of just being intuitive with it, right? Forget about all those layers in your brain for a second before you make your decision and be intuitive with what, what feels like the right thing to do. We don't. We, our brain immediately goes in. It's it's rationalizing. It's making these decisions in two different brains. That the same. Uh, you can come up with the same answer, but you know, think about all the the side effects of what what other programming is happening or, or being accessed in your brain, and how that decision is being uh, molded from two different brains. Mm. And so, um, you know, it's it's really crazy, and we have to 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 the point you made. And, and what I've been focusing on in my book 
is you have to focus on uh, or, or rather deprogram the mind. And I, I you know, just came up with this thought the other day where if we the part of the book I was writing the other day. And mm-hmm. thanks for your encouragement, by the way. Every time I see that, I, I you know, the other day I did 3000 words in one sitting because Whoa. you did your <laughs> you did your. Go ahead. No, it's great. You, yeah, you, I know. I was like, you, you really inspired me that day. I was like, man, I got to go crank out some words. He's on that plane, you know, cranking out words. I got to, too. So, um, <laughs> but I'm really happy that I did because I had this, this uh, I don't want to call it a revelation, but I had this, you know, thought around the, the difference between, and there's a guy named Paramhamsa Yogananda. He's a, a Indian yogi who came here from uh, India, of course. But just to kind of qualify, he was the only book, the book that he had written about his life, the autobiography of a yogi, was the only book that Steve Jobs had on his uh, uh, iPad when he died. Um, A lot of other uh, famous business people have, you know, um, been following this guy. And so he has, you know, he, he, to to this revelation, now back to this revelation I had, um, he believed, you know, the, the God focused mind and the sin focused mind. Right. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not a very religious person, but if you think about it from a program, you know, and I'm a, I'm a software developer. So I, I tend to do, you know, a lot of algorithms, you know, try to explain things to my mind in algorithms. Like how would that work if it was an algorithm? Mm. And you think about the programming that focusing on all this sin puts in your mind, Right. They tell you to, uh, you know, connect with God, be one with God, try to be like Jesus or Krishna or who, you know, whatever, whatever uh, manifestation you want to refer to. And but but <laughs> please keep in mind that there are all these landmines around that are called sin that you need to you need to pray on. You need to be focused on not doing. You need to be judging other people for. OK. Versus the much simpler, uh, much more um, narrowly focused, uh, just just connect with God, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing that Paramahamsa Yogananda said that, that really got this thought in my mind was there was a guy that came to him that asked him, he said, you know, my whole life I've been hearing about what thou shall not do, right? <laughs> Well, what shall thou do actually do? <laughs> and he said, um, you know, Paramahamsa you know, thought for a second and said, do you smoke? And the guy said, yes. And he goes, okay, you may continue to smoke. Mm-hmm. And he goes, do you drink? And the guy said, yes. And he goes, okay, you may continue to drink. And he said, do you, you know, do you have sex? Do you do any, you know, any of that kind of stuff? Yes, you may continue. Okay. So then he goes, you may continue to do all that stuff, but... I cannot guarantee that after simplifying and focusing your mind, that all those things won't melt away. And so that, you know, I took that as a, you know, thinking back about how you would program something (laughs) that was focused, you know, that was thinking about one thing versus something else that was thinking about all these other things. The, The one that's thinking about all these other things could never simplify its mind to where it, it, does that make sense? Does that thought pattern make sense? You're the first person I've told this to, by the way. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
you know, I I think it's. I mean, these things just have effects. You know, whether you smoke or drink, and to be honest, a lot of the effect. I mean, you know, there's some physical effect, uh, but the far more important effect is: do you feel bad about the activity? You know, if you feel guilty about smoking, it's going to do you a darn sight more harm than if you're like, oh, <laughs> I'm enjoying it. You know. So, but but uh, even then, if you're focused on not if you're focused on not smoking, right? How many times have people like I, I can tell you from just from my experience, okay? You know, um, drinking. Not that I was a, a big drinker, but um, you know, stop drinking. Stop. I should stop drinking. I should start doing you know things better for my body to feel. But you know, not not because of like you said the harmful effect of the actual smoking or drinking, but to feel better about my body. But, you know, the, well, the I was, I was I need that to, around, feel better about your body first. And once you feel good about your body, it's like, you know, you're just not going to smoke as much or Ex- possibly, exactly, you know, exactly. Or at all, possibly. Exactly. But to because me, it's, got- it's like instead of having a rule out should not smoke, you know, not that that's in the Bible or anything, but you know, exactly, it feels yeah. like it's <laughs> in the modern thing. Um, <laughs> it's like notice how you feel before you have the cigarette. Okay, why do I have this habit and urge to have a cigarette? So cut out the automatic programming and make it conscious. And then make it, you know, maybe clear whatever, you know, if you're feeling afraid or whatever the thing is, you know, send light to TLC and send light to the fear. Ask what's the earliest age I felt the same way and clear it. Maybe you don't need to have the cigarette at all. But after you've cleared it, then make a new choice. Say, okay, do I feel like a cigarette now? And if you do, have the cigarette. And enjoy it, you know, in, enjoy every part of it. And then and notice how you feel when you're smoking it and notice how you feel afterwards, you know. Right, I, right. I, 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 don't, I haven't smoked exactly. for a long time and I never did smoke more than like a packet of cigarettes in my life. So because I, you know, I, I didn't like how I felt. But me too. You know, I, I can apply the same thing to eating sugar, you know, which is a far more common exact substance. And, you know, I I often eat sugar when I'm feeling a bit depressed or sad and I want to pick myself up and I don't think about it. I just automatically reach for the sugary substance. And then during I'm eating it, I may be conscious of how I feel or I may be you know, unconscious. But I often get a rush from eating the sugar. And then afterwards, you know, I, I, I get a dip, you know, what they call sugar blues, where you feel a bit down, low energy, depressed or uh, as the sugar wears off, where often people who are addicted to sugar will eat another candy bar at that point in order to prevent the dip from happening. Just the cigarette smokers get a high from the cigarette, but then afterwards, you know, at whatever the time period is, they get a dip and they want another cigarette. So, and a lot of it, or most of it, is psychological. So, uh, if you can clear that, you can shift the pattern. But don't make it wrong. You know, enjoy whatever you're doing, you know, you, you've got a body, so enjoy it, you know, smoke cigarettes, drink drinks, eat sugar, have sex, you know, but be, con- but be conscious, you know, that's a great, uh, the way you put it was great, be conscious of the way you feel, you know, before, without it, and the yeah. way you feel, you know, really be conscious of it, yeah, and just notice, in just doing notice. That. and you don't have to change anything, just notice, okay, right. feeling this way, uh, exactly. Before I'm feeling this way. During I'm feeling this way. After and that may give motivation to change, or it may you know may not. But 
feeling guilty or shameful about stuff is really the worst thing you can do. Um, right. You know, right. Very, very destructive uh, vibration. And, and it's a very destructive vibration to hold. And, you know, I often think about what, what does that do to our, um, our intuition? You know, I don't, I don't think about it in the same way, but, but if you do think about the, the programming that's created with fear and, you know, they do so much fear programming, especially here in America, you know, it's a lot of fear programming mm-hmm. yeah. and fear programming is a, is a, um, it's oftentimes the first emotion you yeah. come across anger, fear, right? Mm-hmm. And the more you have in your mind, the more you have, the more shit you have to wade through <laughs> to mm-hmm. get, uh, you know, and so those things are very, um, I, I think purposefully they do that to keep us, uh, away from our intuition, to keep us from making a better world through doing what's right, doing what's good for each other, because it's, it's an intuitive part of us. We don't, we don't, like you said, we're not born wanting to go to war. We're mm-hmm. not born those things are not inherently part of our nature. Those are, those are programmed into us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, uh, I, I think that more than anything we have to, we have to open up and, and we've been doing a lot of stuff with kids. Uh, I, I was, um, very fortunate, a friend of mine who, uh, you might want to interview as well. He sure, played, introduce me. Yeah. He's he's a great guy. He he played football in the NFL for um, four years. Before mm-hmm. that, he was. You want to talk? Okay, so this would be a great guy to talk to about intuition. Okay. Oh, he uses intuition all the time. Oh, massively. Because you've got so, too much information in too short a period of time. You're playing football. You've got less than a second to figure out how you're going to react. There's no way exactly. you can like whip out a spreadsheet and try and analyze what's going on. It's all feel. It's all feeling the whole the whole time. Like there are some there are some uh, you know. I for myself, I played college football too, and I can tell you innumerable amount of times where the play started. I don't remember anything that happened, and then at the end of it, you know, I scored a touchdown. (laughs) You know, and so I I hear similar stories from him. Um, and you know, he's got a really great story. He, he started off as a, as a walk on at Georgia tech behind seven guys and seven other running backs, all of them within the first three or four games of his freshman year got Mm. hurt. Oh my. And yes. How amazing is that? And he, he started and by the, you know, he started, I think his second game was against like number five rated Florida state. And he, he had the night before, um, he said he had a dream. Okay, he woke up from it, cold sweats, all excited, you know, because he's playing Florida State the next day. And uh, the next day, he's, you know, the whole game, he's not doing anything. He's not doing anything. He's not doing anything. And he said, the one play comes, the snap happens, and everything goes into slow motion. Next thing he knows, he's running down the sideline. He looks back, and he said he remembers that was the dream. Mm. And so... Yeah. So, um, you know, he went to the NFL. Unfortunately, he got injured. But what he's doing now and what I was, uh, you know, what we kind of were working on for a while uh, and he's still he's you know, he's still doing it. He's teaching kids. um, If you you know, I, I think it's exactly the same as what you're doing for people in business, how to tap into their intuition using 
you know, he has this saying called I'm, I'm a genie, imagine his imagine series or I'm a genie. And it's really about, um, you know, understanding that it's, it's you, it's not, don't look, don't look to the outside for logic and reason and answers. The answers are within you. They're within self. And so he's, he's going after the children, um, and starting with, uh, the, the least fortunate, um, most disenfranchised, you know, in the poorest schools, uh, the, the least funded schools. And he's trying to go after that kids because, you know, you go after somebody in a, in a Highland park school, well, they might already be, you know, they might have already been taught. So the, the, the value that they're going to gain and really the measurement that you can take on improvement is not going to be that great. And it's going to be looked at as maybe not successful, but in these kids, you know, that are disenfranchised, they're, they're, you know, poor neighborhoods, just even the slightest uptick can show massive improvement in these kids' lives, you know, education, you know, just the way they act. And if you see here in America, a lot of these kids, these schools, not a lot, but some of these schools are starting to put uh, meditation in instead of detention. Um, now that's nice. That's great. You know, it's fantastic. Um, and I, I really, how about they do meditation, not as a punishment, but as a reward. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it's, it's just, we can do so much more with our educational system. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. And so I was, he just actually got accepted to be, it's not an edge. It, the system is not designed to help people perform creative intuitive tasks in their businesses it's designed to deliver automatons who work in a factory or who exactly join an army and will do what they're told exactly and that's actually where school you know when schools came to the united states they came from the prussian model which was designed to produce the citizen soldier you know and the other motivation was some of the industrial giants in the u.s who were like they wanted obedient workers so they needed to be able to read and write but they, they shouldn't be questioning orders. They need to be able, you know, when the bell rings, you need to jump and go do the next thing. So Absolutely. Wow. Um, I, ne- I never, I never uh, thought about it like in that, you know, in that terminology, that's exactly what, you know, intuitively you think, but um, that's a great way to explain it. Yeah. I didn't know it was from the, I didn't know it was from the Prussian, uh, the Prussian model. Yeah, creating that's soldiers. where the American education system was was copied from, and you know, Prussians were one of the early education. Uh, ab, you know, they created state education. So, and you know that that's for in order for the state to have more power, because when you can have you know several million people in the army and they can follow orders and directions, you can you know defend yourself against other countries better or, or attack other countries, depending on which way you want to go. You know, I've also had, a, I've also had this, um, have you heard about this common core teaching? Have you heard about this no. new method of teaching? So in America, there's this new method of teaching and it's originating in the southern, uh, southeastern part of the United States. It's called common core. And when I first saw the way they do math, I had this, I had this feeling that I don't, I don't know, but Jesus, this sure does look like it's going to do significantly different type of programming in the mind than just looking at two numbers and trying to, to add them together. It uses a combination of lines and 
crosses and hashes. Um, and I was, I just had this feeling about it. Like this, this can't be the right way to, uh, you know, have kids learn. It's that, that saying that Albert Einstein did. If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it's going to grow up believing it's stupid all its life. And we do that so much to these children. We don't let them grow in the way that they need to grow. And we do that with education. We do that with, you know, religion. We do that with so many aspects of life. We, we stamp out this, uh, this methodology. And if this, if the student or the, the, person learning that methodology uh, is, is behind or doesn't even want to do it. You know, they're looked, and I was one of those kids in school. I, you know, I used to finish work quickly or I didn't want to do it. And so I'd talk and they, you know, I, I was the one who was the, the bad one, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but, so, and really, really I, if you, that you weren't, you know, you were the bad one for that school system, but like, right. maybe these are good skills to have for being creative in your life. And, the other thing related to education is that, you know, I mean, I know from my own experience and from other people that if you're tuned into your intuition, you can get high scores and multiple choice tests, not by guessing, but by intuiting what the correct answer is, intuiting where is the truth. And but how does school regard someone who doesn't study the subject but is able to get a top score on a test? Oh, they cheated. Cheater. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it's like a strong discouragement to use your intuition. So, and, and it's, that's not, and re- it's not rewarded. You know, if you if you if you answer something in class and like, okay, how did you know that? Oh, I my intuition's told me. You know, you're going to get slapped down. You've got to have yeah. rational answer. You've got to be able to support your argument with rational argument. So um, it's so sad. It's so sad. Well, it's okay. There's a and lot it's of, dumbing us down. There's a movement to change this. A lot of the unschooling movement, I think, is around changing this. So, uh, you know, the, that seems to produce... And, and also the... Um, I forget the name of it. Uh, the uh, Montessori schools, and um, there's another kind of school whose name escapes me. But, um, Catholic schools? No, no. They, they don't encourage intuition. Um, yeah, not at all. <laughs> anyway, there oh, are some talking more about types of schools that encourage intuition. Yeah, there's Montessori schools, and then there's um, another type that I visited where the, the all the, the kids I met there were like full of light. You know, these are teenagers. You know, usually teenagers are sullen, withdrawn, you know, sarcastic, not very you know full of life. And these. Uh, children, you know, they were creative, they were trying new things, they were confident in their own abilities because they hadn't been squashed down, you know, so wow, yeah, and this is possible you know, people don't have to, people can be wonderful creative spiritual beings if if we let them be so, anyway um, I have an event I'm going to, John, so it's uh, I just want to wrap this uh, conversation up um, can, do you have a name for your book or, um, you know, I'm still going through names. I'll get, I have a few that I'm, I've, uh, settled on, but let me, I'll shoot you something here in the next week. Um, with a name, I'm, I'm planning to, to wrap uh-huh. it up here well, in the next week. Okay, cool. And then how would people find you? Uh, as far as find the book, 
do you have a website, for example? Yeah, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have a website. We'll we'll pair it with a Facebook page. We'll have all the social media um, kind of channels uh, tied into it, and then we're going to do um, cool. Amazon. Well, and once, once you have that, let me know, and I can tack it onto this recording. Absolutely, absolutely. And also, I will I will connect you uh, right now with my friend PJ. Uh, yeah, he's already great. Re- yeah, okay. I'd like to meet people who use intuition in sports, in the military, in medicine. Uh, those are all Absolutely. three fields where, um, you know, definitely you can benefit from intuition, but people don't always talk about it. He does. He loves to. So yeah, you'd, you'd have excellent. a great time talking with him. Fabulous. Well, Alrighty, I appreciate Michael. you getting up so early, John. And, uh, you know, I'll see you in the Facebook group, and I'm sure we'll get to meet in person one day. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Get strategies and show notes at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com. What would it take to see you here next time on the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast?